So, you know, when we are hanging out with friends, we always have this one friend who will be like, oh, don't take my photo from this side. Can you take my photo from that side? That's my good side. Or they say, oh, take my photo from the left. My arms will look thinner. Or no, 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 don't do this and don't do that. Or this side is better than that side. Which means that each of us has a photogenic side. Well, so does food. Every food has a photogenic side too. Food might not want to look slimmer, but every food does want to look pretty and pretty as heck and delicious as heck. As photographers, we need to deliver that. We need to do that. And welcome to my Food Lens Podcast, where we talk about everything from food photography, styling to business and mindset. After 15 years as an architect, I switched careers and I'm now a professional food stylist and food photographer based in Singapore. I'm also the founder of the business My Food Lens, where we help clients elevate their brand through drool-worthy photos. My motto is put your best food forward. Well, here on this podcast, I promise to keep it raw and real and hope you find your answers, action and inspiration as we move through the episodes. Hi guys, today we are talking about a very, very, very critical topic, which is all about camera angles. I know that for many of us, it's pretty straightforward, but honestly, is it? Is it that straightforward? Is finding or selecting or creating the absolute best camera angle for a photo that straightforward? Well, you've got to listen to this episode to kind of find out whether it is or not and whether the practice that you have is actually helping you or not. I have, and I'm sure you have too, seen this so many times that there are these photos that show more of a bowl or more of the plate in which the food is served versus the food itself. So if it is a cup of coffee, we end up seeing more of the cup rather than the coffee. And then you're kind of like leaning into your screen, just wishing you could see a little bit more of that frothy coffee. So is that the right angle? Hmm, well, I don't know. What if it's like a plate of pasta? Sometimes we just see the more of the edge of the plate and the pattern on the plate rather than really getting a good look into the plate. Many times you see food in a flat lay and you're just left wondering, what is it? Is it a glass? Is it a bowl? Is it a plate? So conveying the food honestly and conveying the food in its utmost glory, in its utmost deliciousness is a little bit of a task. It takes a little bit of studying and it takes a little bit of an effort which is what we are going to talk about in today's episode. Camera angles. Camera angles can really make or break what we want to convey in a photo. What I'm saying is that the deciding factor for our camera angle has to be food so that we can show the audience what they need to see and how they need to see it. Yep, we control that. (laughs) And that's why choosing the best camera angle for our food is our responsibility as photographers. That's the justice we need to do to the food that we shoot. So I just received 
a super decadent, irresistible brownie. My doorbell rang and I, I literally went out just before I sat down to record and I received that brownie. All right. Now that brownie, if you've seen my stories, you know that I'm not lying that that brownie is one hell of a tempting treat. It's a black Guinness stout brownie and it's got these chunks of dark chocolate. So you can imagine it's not just like leaving me drooling, but it's a real visual treat. As a photographer, instead of eating, my first instinct is, oh gosh, I just want to shoot this divine beauty. All right. So that's, yeah, my definition of divine beauty is food. Yeah, just FYI. All right. So I just want to shoot it. But that brownie is an unconventional brownie. That brownie is not square. That brownie is round. It's also not very high. It's it's a bit chunky. And I need to think about a way that I can best convey the deliciousness of that brownie. And the way to do that is by selecting a camera angle that can do justice to it. So tell me one thing. When you set up your photo shoot, when you set up the set, all right, do you pre-decide the camera angle? Or do you kind of like just wing it on the spot and see what looks best? Like, How do you decide on the camera angle? Think about this answer for just a second. Think about your process. And once you know your answer, then listen in. All right. So that by the end of this, you can kind of gauge whether that is helping you as a practice or if you need to kind of improve or do something differently. All right. So you've taken your 30 seconds to think about how you set your camera angle before the shoot, on the shoot. Right. Okay quick run of the three main camera angles that we have in food photography. One, we have a top-down or flat lay angle. Two, we have a straight-on angle. And three, it's a three-fourth angle. Okay, now I want you to stop doing whatever you're doing and visualize this with me. Let's say, are you here? Are you listening? Okay, here we go. Let's say you have a cup of coffee and it's kept on the floor. You are looking directly down at the cup of coffee. And the only thing you see is the rim of the cup, the coffee in it, and a little bit of the top of the handle. Now, that view is called a flat lay or a top-down angle. All right? Then you pick up that cup of coffee and you put it on the dining table. You're standing a little bit further away from the table and you're looking straight at the cup of coffee. What you see more is the front of the cup. You might see just a little bit of the coffee inside if it's really full to the brim. If it's not, you might not even see the coffee in it. So you're seeing the front of the cup. You're seeing the shape of the handle of the cup. And that angle is called a straight on angle. So everything is right straight on. Now you take that cup of coffee and you put it back on the floor. And you stand a little bit further away so that you are looking diagonally down at the cup of coffee. What you see is the front of the cup. You also see the handle. But now you have a pretty good view of what is inside the cup because you're looking at it from the top, but also at an angle. And that, my friend, is a three-fourth or a 45 degree or a 35 degree angle, whatever you might want to call it. It's a three-fourth angle in food photography. So there you go. Those are our three main angles in food photography. Top down or flat lay, straight on and three fourth angle. As we move further, I'm going to tell you how we can choose these three angles for our food and where they fit in and where they don't. 
Now in both cases, top down and straight on, the camera is at 180 degrees to the food. You're either looking straight down or you're looking straight in front. So that's something to just kind of keep in mind of what your view might look like if you're in either of the angles. But then we have this three-fourth angle and that's where the fun begins. That's because a three-fourth angle gives us the chance to kind of go wild and creative and create some dynamic photos. Have you heard photographers just going crazy, going gaga over this angle? And you know what? Just to create this angle, we photographers even choose certain specific lenses so that we can get into that narrow macro bird's eye view. Yeah. Okay. Bird's eye view, new term here. Okay. Architect alert. <laughs> architect geek alert. <laughs> bird's eye view is what we call this view in architecture. So, so think of that like literally visually that you are a bird flying and you're diagonally looking down at something. What does it look like? How far down you are? All right. So this will always give you a good visual of what a three-fourth angle is. And it's super, super favorite for us photographers because we get to use our good lenses and it creates some very dynamic photos. And I'll tell you a little bit more about it in a bit. So now that we are very clear on what the three angles of food photography are, Let's talk about how it really translates to the food and how we gauge which angle is best. I have a very simple example to tell you. <laughs> so, you know, when we are hanging out with friends, we always have this one friend who will be like, oh, don't take my photo from this side. Can you take my photo from that side? That's my good side. Or, or they say, oh, don't take, your, take my photo from the left. My arms will look thinner. Or no, 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 don't do this and don't do that. Or, you know. This side is better than that side, which means that each of us has a photogenic side. That means each of us wants to be photographed from a particular side because that's where we look best. Well, so does food. Yeah. What did you think? <laughs> All right. So every food has a photogenic side too. Food might not want to look slimmer, but every food does want to look pretty and pretty as heck and delicious as Heck. <laughs> so as, as photographers, we need to deliver that. We need to do that. And the most essential step is to study the food. Study the food for two main aspects. Now, this is how I break it down. And I find that it really, really helps me engaging or having a good idea. Even before I start the shoot, even before I've done anything, by studying these two aspects, I have a fairly good idea of how the food might look best. So the things that I study for, one, is to identify the deliciousness of the food. What is the most delicious component in the food? Now, let's say, for example, it's a pizza. We know that the most delicious component is the topping or maybe even maybe the cheesy crust. All right. So one of these is the most delicious factor in the food. Let's say we have a vegetable wrap. So the most interesting component here is the filling, which is inside the wrap. Let's say lasagna. In lasagna, the crisp crust and then the delicious, the, the oozy oozy filling inside, they're both the delicious factor. And let's say cake. Now cake could have uh, either the delicious factor could be the frosting or it could be the texture of the cake inside. So before anything, before anything, just even before setting up the camera or even conceptualizing a composition, it is very, very important to establish what is the most delicious part of the food 
And what is it that we need to highlight to the audience? And by knowing what part of the food has the drool-worthy factor, we have a much better idea of what we need to portray in our photos the best. By doing this, we can establish what side needs to face the camera, what needs to be the focus, and where we need to bring the viewer's attention. And once we establish what to show, then we need to decide how to show, which means what angle might work best to bring out that deliciousness. Which takes us to the next step to study the height. So we need to study the height or the thickness of food. For example, a slice of bread is shorter than a loaf of bread. Uh, sunny side up, woo, it barely has any height or thickness, right? But a mug of coffee, it has height. And pizza, mm, pizza has a little bit height, a little bit, diff, uh, a little bit uh, thickness. A wrap has some height. A lasagna might have height depending on the dish that it is baked in. And cake, cake definitely has height. Well, no surprise I'm talking about cake because cake and brownies is all that I have in my mind right now. <laughs> so uh, I apologize if the reference of cake is made too often in this episode. <laughs> all right. So cake definitely has height unless you bake like my dad who can turn cakes into cookies. Okay. No more jokes. All right. <laughs> all right. So guys, studying the height is really, really important because it helps us determine what camera angle may work and what may not. For example, if you're shooting a pizza, so a pizza is not very tall. And if you photograph it in a straight on angle, all you see is the edge of the crust and the most delicious factor, which is the topping is lost. Which means that a flat lay would make way more sense because that way you can showcase the topping, which is definitely the most drool-worthy part of a pizza. Also, a little bit of the crust, which shows in that camera angle. And that way, the audience not only can tell that, okay, boss, that's a pizza. Those delicious toppings can leave your audience very hungry. And that's the motive of food photography. That's what we want to do as food photographers, right? So the height and thickness definitely matters. Now that was pizza, but let's say we have something like hmm, a glass of wine. The most interesting part of a glass of wine is the main body of the wine. All right. So if we start shooting that in, in let's say, a flat lay angle, all we see is the rim of the glass and then we see the top of the wine. And there is a very small chance. Actually, there is a very high chance that the audience may not even be able to tell that that is wine. So when you're looking from the top, you'll not be able to identify what the drink is, which is why a straight on shot might make more sense so that the viewer cannot just see the body of the wine. It can also see the glass, the typical glass in which wine is served and they immediately know that that is wine and they're immediately transported into the photo. Let's talk about sunny side up, something that has no thickness or minimal thickness, minimal height. Now try shooting that in a straight on angle and all you see is the side with absolutely no visual interest in it. But then try shooting it in a flat lay and ooh la la, the highlights in the yolk and the contrast between the white and yellow. It just grips your viewer. It tells them that boss, that's a well done sunny side up and it just delivers the purpose of the photo. It makes the egg come alive. Uh, not literally. 
<laughs> I hope it doesn't. But <laughs> sorry about that. Not literally, but yeah, but it definitely delivers the purpose of the photo. So you see, the hero angle of the food is determined by where the deliciousness of the food lies and what angle would be able to bring out that deliciousness in the best possible way. Right now, I've only touched on straight ons and flat lays and pretty sure that most of what I said is something that you might already be familiar with. But if you're not thinking about the deliciousness and the height, then definitely start studying a food like that before you put it in front of the camera. So the third camera angle, three fourth angle, let's talk about that. And I'm really excited to talk about that because I definitely think it's one of the most powerful camera angles ever. The three-fourth angle can technically range from 25 to 75 degrees, which means that you could be as far up as possible or you could be really close in, but still you are looking at the subject diagonally. So imagine that you're a bird flying in the sky and you're looking at your food diagonally. Now you can sweep right close or you could be right up, but that's the kind of angle that you will always have on the food. So wherever you need to visualize a three-fourth angle, think of yourself as a bird. You're a bird. You're a bird. You're a bird. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I can't help it. All right. So think of yourself as a bird. It's called bird's eye view for a reason in architecture. All right. So in my personal opinion, most foods work in a three-fourth angle. And that is because the range is so wide. If a certain food doesn't look good at 25 degrees, it would probably work at 45 degrees or 60 degrees. So the margin to play around is quite high. And that is why it is such a powerful angle to play around with. Now, this is what I think. So before you set up the camera on the tripod, like as if it's cast in stone and you just can't move it, before you do any of that, you handhold that camera and take a few shots at different angles ranging, ranging from 25 to 75. You know, you squat, you sit, you lunge, you bend, you do whatever it takes. You climb on a ladder, you do whatever it takes. And then you explore the different angles and then you see what looks best. And then you adjust your tripod at that angle and take the shot. That way you can actually make the use of the best angle within the three-fourth angle range. You might have sore legs the next day from all the squatting, but let me tell you, my friend, it will totally be worth it. So <laughs> squat, bend, do whatever it is, but definitely test, test, and test all the different possible angles because you never know which one works better than the other. Now, I like to use my macro lens, 105mm Nikon, and that is because a wide-angle lens can actually tend to cause a bit of distortion in three-fourth angles. Now, that is something that we need to take care of. So, three-fourth angles are fun, they're versatile, they're groovy, they're wild, but they can be high risk. <laughs> and that is pretty much based on the kind of lens that we are using, which is why I said before that Photographers love using a macro lens when they are working with three-fourth angles because a wide-angle lens can actually cause a bit of distortion in those photos. So you'll notice that in your camera phone too because that is a wide-angle lens. So when you shoot a straight-on or you shoot a flat lay, it looks great. Your camera, your phone camera does a good job. But the moment you switch anywhere between the flat lay and the straight-on on your camera phone, it just looks 
funky and the edges, they looked warped. And that is because of the lens. That is because it has a wide angle lens. And that's why I try not to use my 50mm lens for three fourths. But having said that, I have seen folks who really work well on a three-fourth angle with their 50mm. It takes a little bit of a practice and an eye to be able to reduce the distortion. But other than that, it's just something to be mindful about. It's something that we need to carefully observe when we use a wide-angle lens for three-fourth angles. All right, so whether the subject is tall or short, it usually works in this angle. However, this angle may not be the first First angle of choice for something like a pizza or sunny side up or anything that is more flat than high. And that's because you can kind of visualize, right? You have to go really up close, really, really into it when you're looking at it diagonally to be able to bring out the best. And also, we know that the toppings are the most delicious factors. So to so maximize the coverage of the toppings, if we look at it from top, you can see all the toppings, you can see all the deliciousness. Whereas if you're looking at it diagonally, a little bit might be less. Now, that is another interpretation. I'm not saying that that is um, wrong. I'm just saying that a flat lay will deliver it more strongly. So there is always a better angle for every photo. But you are an artist, right? And this is also your interpretation. It can be a bit subjective. So that is definitely your choice. But there are certain angles that would work better for certain types of food. Now, let's say having said that, let's say you do have a food that is not very high. But once you place it on a plate, it definitely gets a little bit of height. It gets raised. And so it begins to look a lot different. A pizza that is lying flat on a backdrop versus a pizza which is lying on a plate, it will look very different in the same three-fourth angle, which is why I say test, test, and test, which is the way that you can portray it best, all right? So we need to test that out. So while this angle might be versatile, we still need to gauge, is it really delivering the message? Is it really bringing out the deliciousness in the best possible way? Let's say the food is on the plate and we are shooting three-fourths. We can go a little lower. But if the food is in a bowl, it's already inside. It's inside a bowl. We might need to be higher. So think of yourself as a bird. If it's in a plate, it's more open. You can see it better. You can come down lower. But if it's in a bowl, it's inside. You need to go higher and up into to see into the bowl. All right. So you're getting the picture here, right? So... When I'm ready for a photo shoot, when I'm conceptualizing the composition, after I've done my study of the height, after I've established what is the delicious side, I then establish an angle for the food. So before I set up, while I'm conceptualizing, I do establish an angle that I will shoot in. And that is so that I have a better clarity on what will be my light position? What will be my composition? Where will I place my elements? So when I have an angle in mind, it helps me to create a concept. And that just becomes a starting point for me. That's because composition changes as camera angles change. The placement for a flat lay does not always work for a three-fourth shot. So to get started, I always have like a pre-decided composition and a chosen camera angle. However, as I lay out my backdrop, I just take a small portion of the food 
or the main food. If I have enough and it's not going to go bad very quickly, I put the main food in the position that I had conceptualized and I become the bird. <laughs> so I, I just handhold my camera all free, no tripod. And then I take boom, boom, boom. I squat, I pen, I, I roll, I, <laughs> I do whatever it takes. I climb on the ladder and then I take many, many shots. And then I'm just like, okay, this looks better. This looks better. This doesn't, this doesn't. No, 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 no. So I have a pretty good gauge. Sometimes I decide to go with another angle. Sometimes what I've established in the beginning works. So if I've established that, okay, I'm going to shoot this in a flat lay, maybe it works. That's the actually turns out to be the best angle. But sometimes it's not. And I just change it on the spot based on all the testing. So I decide to go with another angle and I make that my primary angle. So I change my light position. I change my composition a little bit and I make sure that it works with the camera angle that I've just tested and that's looking the best. All right. So that's the way I usually do it, that I start with a preconceived camera angle, which I think in my experience that would look best. I create a concept around it. Then I come on site. I test, 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 and I validate whether that chosen angle will look best or not. And if it doesn't, I quickly change. Do not be afraid of changing and adapting. All right. So I quickly change. I change my light position. Always keep in mind that lights are different in different camera angles. So if you're working with artificial light, do test out your light position as well. If you change your camera angle and also the placement of your components. So that's my process. But there is another way to do this, which also has led me to discovering new angles and improving my skills and practicing is to do all of this after the main shoot. So what that means is that if I know that a certain food would look good in a flat lay, I just go ahead. I set up everything in a flat lay. I take the shot based on what my concept was and I get through it quickly because I already have the concept in mind. I already knew what I wanted to do. But then once I've caught a good shot, then I remove the tripod and then the bird spirit takes over and then I squat and I lie down and I roll and I climb on the ladder and do all my funky stuff. And that way I already have a good picture that I know that I've, I've got my work, like I have content. All right. But then I'm just like exploring. And in that exploration, I sometimes get fabulous results. And I some, and I realize that, oops, there was another angle that works best. And then I can quickly change and maybe take a better shot and change composition and light if needed. But I have the security of already having one good photo in my repertoire before I start doing all the testing and exploration. So it really depends on your process. It depends on your workflow. But my suggestion to you would be to explore before or after and do not just stick with one because you're anyway doing the work. Your composition is anyway laid out. You anyway have the food. It will take you just probably 15, 20, 30 more minutes and it will be so worth it because you're going to end up improving your skills. You're going to end up practicing. And the more you practice, the easier it will become for you to visualize camera angles that you can just look at a brownie, which is round in shape flooded with those chocolate chunks and say, hmm, that doesn't look conventional, but hey, I think that'll work terrific in a 62 degree shot. Ha, don't we want that? <laughs> All right. Definitely thinking of brownie right now. All right, guys. So let me just do a quick recap of everything that we have talked about. 
before I recap, honestly, I just want you to think, you know, I'd asked you to think about your own process. When do you decide on the camera angles? How do you set it up? I want you to question it, whether you are on the right track, whether that is making you efficient and whether that is really improving your skill and your visualization technique. All right. So this, this, what I've shared is my process. What I've shared is the way I do it and that has, and what has really helped me. So give it a thought how, what your process is and how you could improve or whether it's absolutely on track right now. So to recap, one, there are three main angles, flat lay, top down and three fourth. Two, to decide the angle, we need to study the food. So we need to identify the most delicious part of the food and we need to study the height of the food. Three, based on that study, we need to gauge which angle will be most flattering. Four, we establish an angle before the shoot and we create a composition around it with that angle in mind. Five. We test out the angle with the subject before going all into the photo shoot. We check if that angle works or not. Six, we take a good shot and then we become a bird. We handhold the camera. We explore various other angles to capture that subject in many different other ways. Alternatively, we can also do this before we start taking the main good shot. By keeping the food in mind, like basically at the center of the stage, we can do our job as food photographers, which means we will not miss out on showcasing the deliciousness. It will also help us choose the props wisely so that they show the food in all its glory. And it will allow us to choose the best angle that fits the subject so that the audience is not longing to see more of the food or just wondering what the food is. That angle will showcase it in its best photogenic side. All right, guys. So test and practice. Those are my two suggestions to you. And that will definitely help you get a better grip in visualizing camera angles. And over time, you'll know exactly whether a 90 degree will work or an 18 or a 60 or a 45 or 22 or 25, you'll just know. But you have to test and practice. And imagine if you're sitting in a client meeting and you're able to tell them on the spot that, mm, I think this food would look wonderful at a 35 degree. Imagine the reaction of your client. You'll just walk out like a boss. Now, don't we want that? All right. So next time, study your food. And let it tell you which one is the good side. Because why should people have all the fun, right? Who likes to look good too? <laughs> all right, guys. With that, I hope this was helpful. And if it was, then please do rate, review, and subscribe at whichever platform you're listening. And if you're ever stuck with any question related to camera angle, please be sure to send it to me. I'll put on my bird cape and I'll make sure that your questions are answered. All right, guys. Sorry about all the goofiness, but I hope you had fun with this very, very critical subject that we talked about today. All right. With that, I will see you next time. Bye-bye.